Hey everybody, before we get into the show, I wanted to let you know we've got another live show coming up. We will be back at Maya Cinemas on Thursday, May 23rd for Furiosa, the latest in the Mad Max series. We are so excited for this one. Joining me to talk about it, we've got Sam Novak, Shahab Zargari, and Tony Gonzalez. A great lineup. It's going to be an awesome movie. We are so excited to talk about it. So make sure to check the show notes. There are opportunities to win tickets. You could also buy tickets. And we hope to see you there Thursday, May 23rd, 6 p.m. at Maya Cinemas for Furiosa. All right, welcome to another episode of Piecing It Together, the podcast where we take a look at a new movie and try to figure out what movies inspired it. And today on the show, we are finally going to cover a Michael Bay movie. We are, of course, talking about his latest film, Ambulance, which is still in a few theaters out there. You can also rent it now. It's at the $20 rental price range uh, on some of the VOD services and probably will be hitting streaming pretty soon here at the time of this episode going up. This is kind of a little bit later than what we would normally cover a movie, but I got a lot of requests for this episode, so I decided to circle back, much like one of Michael Bay's drones as they fly around and circle all over the place, and uh, cover this one. Joining me for it is Joe Black, returning to the podcast. We actually were planning on maybe doing some kind of special Michael Bay episode, and we probably still will do that special Michael Bay episode, but uh, I'm happy to be talking to him about this movie because I love this movie. It's great. Uh, So if you haven't seen it, go watch it, and uh, make sure you're subscribed to Piecing It Together wherever it is you listen to podcasts, and uh, you can also follow us on social media at PiecingPod. Join our Facebook group, Popcorn and Puzzle Pieces, where we continue the conversation about all the movies we talk about here on the show. And don't forget, we do have a Patreon, the Produced by David Rosen Patreon, where I post bonus and advanced content from Piecing It Together, as well as Awesome Movie Year, which uh, I think this weekend, when this goes up, we'll be recording our next bonus Awesome Movie Year, so lots of cool stuff there. Also, my music career, uh, I'm currently scoring a feature film, and we'll be posting some snippets very soon on the Patreon, so check it out. It's patreon.com slash Rosen. So let's talk about Ambulance. All right, Joe Black is back with us. We're going to talk about Michael Bay's Ambulance. Joe, how's it going? Oh, it's it's going terrific. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Is this the first time that you've ever had me on here to talk about Michael Bay? I, I think this is the first Michael Bay movie I've covered somehow. What? Yeah, what? I don't... I don't I don't know how that has happened. I mean, well, let's see. Since I started this podcast, I guess Six Underground, and was there another one since I've started this? No, I guess not. He did Transformers 5 and then Six Underground and this one, right? So Yeah, so I I guess not. And I've considered uh, for, like, uh, breaking it apart, like, you know, maybe like a Bad Boys or, or... the rock or you know one of his classic ones but yeah there's been no new releases to do and you know as you know i didn't really watch six underground when it first came out you know it was kind of one of those netflix things and you know me when it comes to streaming movies especially Mm pre-pandemic um but 
Ambulance, I'm excited to talk about for sure. Great, great. Yeah, and, and who knows? Maybe we'll end up talking about Six Underground a little bit throughout this podcast. Who knows? Could happen. Could I got happen. to see it in the theater. Just saying. Yeah. Uh, you yeah. Know, I, I went to the premiere at the Chinese Theater, and then I saw it at the uh, the Village in, in yeah. Westwood. No big deal. It would have been so much better to see that in the theater. I, I think I would have connected with it much more immediately uh, the way I have with some of the best of Bay. But um, mm-hmm. uh, alas, it's, you know. Netflix, but that, that that's another story. But I, I would like to say at the top of this episode, though, um, this may be like the longest I've waited to cover like a new release movie. But really, there's been a lot of people asking, where's your ambulance episode? And I was like, I guess I got to do an ambulance episode, even though I was kind of going to just let it slide. But I know you've been a huge fan of this movie and I have too. So I'm happy to be uh, finally getting back to it. Yeah, I think it's the. Uh, I I think that it's a return to classic Bay. I kind of like Bay when he's in an, a nasty mood, like sure. when he's when he's in that R-rated, like fucking leave me alone kind of mood. And yeah. I and this movie, um, not only I, I've been questioning certain things about the, where the industry is going uh, lately, technical and like even actors like uh, Yahya Abdul Mateen the second. Like mm-hmm. I I've yet to dis- figure out. I'm like, is he good or not? You know, because he right. keeps flip flopping. And after this movie, yes, he's good, you know? Yeah. It, and also, like, drone shots. Like, I'm so sick of drone shots. Everybody has sure. drone shots. Yeah. But then this movie, I went, well, there you go. That's how you use a drone. Yeah. You know? Um, so, Bay, I, you know, I, I thank Bay for the clarity. And um, <laughs> and uh, so far for me this year, it's it's my second favorite movie of the year. Awesome. Yeah, it's it's up there. Um, top five for sure for me. I don't, I'm not quite sure where it lands yet, but yeah, I, I love this movie. One of the most fun theatrical experiences of the year for sure. And yeah, the drones, I mean, I think, you know, that's got to be a big part of the conversation. Like what made Michael Bay just want to just go all in 100% on these drone shots? Because it, the movie is probably a different movie without it. It's just a kind of standard action bank heist gone wrong movie right well you know my problem with drone shots is that they're really cheap looking to me because sure. because yeah. like they have no weight to them right mm-hmm. like literally so like there's there's no um we can't actually connect to them in a weird way because mm-hmm. there's no there's no there's no weight to the movement that's why like a helicopter shot even though it's a little bit more wobbly or something there's a weight we feel the weight because of the wobble you know what yeah. i mean like we 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 intuit the impact of the shot. And what I think that Michael Bay did kind of brilliantly in this movie by using the racing drone shots is that that weight that we're missing from the average drone shot, he more than makes up for in the propulsion of these shots. They're, the mm. propulsion of these gives it the the urgency, the immediacy, the, you know what I mean? It, yeah. it he, he gives it a real, um, it gives the whole thing like a, a chaotic rat in the cage kind of feeling like, you know, there's that infamous shot that he uses four times where the drone will go up to a building up along the side of the building, not be able to clear the building and come back down to the street. Yeah. You know what I mean? He's literally using that drone to establish the four walls of the cage that they're caught in. You know what I mean? Like a, like an animal trying to scurry out of one. He's a genius. (laughs) Like, like I don't, I'm sure I've talked about on your podcast somehow before, but Michael Bay truly, in my opinion, is a, genius yeah like he's a brilliant brilliant filmmaker and we're lucky to have him well and i i love like the idea that like using those drone shots like it could just be looked at as like showing off 
But for him, I think it's more about just getting excited about the material. Yes. It's, it's a way to just push it forward and just, I don't want to just make a bank heist gone wrong movie. I want to make an exciting theatrical experience for everybody to tell their friends about. Right. And, and, and ultimately, what we'll end up discussing in this podcast, at least from my perspective, is mm. that the film is not a bank heist gone. It's a bank heist gone wrong movie. But what it actually is about is it's about an industry gone wrong. Mm. Uh, is the yeah. idea deeper rooted in the film itself. Yeah, so. I, I'm excited to get to some of that, but let's start getting into some puzzle pieces. What do you got for your first one? Okay, I want to get like, you know, I mean, like there's going to be bank robbery movies in here in on these. Sure. Like that's just that's just the name of the game. So like I'm, I'm trying to avoid some of the more uh, obvious ones. Um, but like I, I want to kind of shed some light on some unknown ones or lesser knowns. Uh, mm -hmm. One of them would be uh, a 1971 Goldie Hawn, Warren Beatty film uh, directed by Richard Brooks called Dollars. Okay. It's, uh, it's, actually a, uh, it, it's actually a dollar sign. It's not even like the title isn't even actually dollars. It's a dollar <laughs> sign. So it's really hard to Google. Not that they were thinking about that in 1971. Sure. But the, the story is about a con man and a con woman who are in Germany and the con man uh, sets himself up with a bank as a securities expert who's going to install this brand new security system in the bank itself. Mm. And, um, and, but he ends up just setting it up so that he can then rob them. And he uses right. the help of this. Um, she's somewhat of a call girl kind of like detractor as his accomplice to make it out of Germany with all of the stolen uh, money. Okay. It's actually gold in the movie too. So like, I don't know why it's quite called dollars, but it's, it's a brilliantly funny thriller. Like you wouldn't call it a comedy, but if you were to look at the poster with them, like, like hanging from like, a, I think they're on like a hot air balloon and like money's flying out of their bag and Goldie Hawn and Warren Bader's smiling all big and cartoony. Um, oh, yeah. It's very, very, very funny. And I, and I really appreciate it, but it's also, it was when I saw it, the thrill, it's such a tense thriller. Like I was so tense watching them in some of these scenes that I had to fast forward, not mm. because it was bad, but just because I was like, I don't like this. Like, like, I, you know, like it's, <laughs> too, it's much. too much. Yeah. Like there's a whole yeah. scene where he's like running along ice, uh, like a, a frozen lake. And this car is chasing him on a frozen lake. And like, I'm worried for Warren Beatty. I'm worried for the stuntman. I'm worried for, you know, like. That like I, I'm worried that that car is going to fall through the ice and kill whoever is driving it for real. Like, yeah. Um. It, and and I like that it kind of pulled in that real world fear of mine, mm -hmm. you know, into the narrative. And I think that this movie, um, um, Ambulance, especially with how heavy it is on its practical effects and how how Bay loves a car flip and how you know like he really knows how to ramp up tension and fear at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, I, I think he's also um, kind of playing a little bit with our expectation of what a Michael Bay movie is. And of course, he's got references to his own movies in this, which is a lot of fun, especially for, you know, a podcast that talks about, you know, what movies inspired other movies sure, sure, and sure. kind of being inspired by himself. I'm sure there might be some Michael Bay involved in our pieces down the line here. But uh, yeah, I, I love that, though, about like the intensity of that Dollars movie. It sounds like a lot of fun, but like really exciting. I, I want to check that out. It is, but it also has really broad comedy, like a sequence where like Goldie Hawn is like hooking up. I think he's supposed to be like some kind of politician. She's like 
got him and she's trying to get info to blackmail him on and his fetish is like firefighters. So mm-hmm. she's wearing like fighter fighter helmet and like sounding the alarms and like he's nice. like, you know, put out the fire, you know. And Bay is not afraid of those big comedic strokes too. Like um, like Jake Gyllenhaal's like assistant in this movie is like hilarious. The guy yeah. who has to like spray paint the car and you know what oh, I mean? Oh, he's like, great. Yeah, Bay never strays away from that big broad comedy even in the middle of like, like, like heart racing tension. And, um, you know, you talk about his references and like, honestly, though, if anything, I saw his self-referential moments in that almost as like a way to prove that he's still culturally relevant and knows what's going on in the American lexicon, because Mm -hmm. we are talking about bad boys and we are talking about the rock in our everyday lives. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that is an actual thing. It's not him like filleting himself it's him like being like i know what you're talking about i know what you like like absolutely i I know what sticks with you motherfucker yeah yeah so (laughs) there was that meme when this movie was like coming out like a week or two before it came out about how like you know i'm old enough to remember when michael bay was like the bad thing happening in in hollywood movies and now it's come back around it's come full circle and Mm -hmm. now he's gonna save hollywood movies and it's he's almost like the director version of keanu reeves where like he shows up he's like like his movies are sexy and cool and everybody loves them but then they start to be like well they're dumb these are just Mm. dumb movies and they start to rip on them but then he he starts to make these movies like 13 hours and pain and gain and stuff where you actually start to see that he's got substance and that he actually cares and that his mind might actually just be working in a way that doesn't that ours don't and we start to appreciate him because of that yeah Uh, absolutely that that was the trajectory keanu reeves took right like (laughs) I, yeah, sure. That that works. <laughs> we like him now as a person, so we can appreciate what he's doing on screen. Well, as we know, I love John Wick Chapter 3, even though I know you don't really like that one. But, mm. mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, so, I don't hate it. It's just boring. Uh, nah, it's great. <laughs> Five prefer, stars. Well, the guy from uh, Double Dragon is in that. I forget his name. I feel so bad. <laughs> the guy who played I Jimmy. Prefer- and Double Dragon is the villain. I forget his name, and I feel so bad. Um, Dacascus? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. He's, he's, he's Jimmy from Double Dragon. I much prefer Double Dragon. Oh, boy. Let's, uh, let's move on from that. And uh, I'll go to my first piece, which is 2016's Hell or High Water, uh, the uh, Taylor Sheridan-written film with Chris Pine and Ben Foster as brothers who go to rob a bank for... Basically, uh, reasons that the system has failed them, basically. The American system has failed them. And, you know, Michael Bay, like, I feel like a lot of people would maybe accuse him of being, like, kind of dumb, conservative, ultra-patriotic, but he's also, like, incredibly critical of, of the American system and everything wrong with it. And this movie is incredibly critical of that and critical of the police and critical of, you know, everything that you would kind of associate with conservatism in this country at this moment in this time, which kind of flies in the face of what I think a lot of people think about when they think about Michael Bay's movies, which, again, is it him? Is that just where he's at or is it him having fun with his audience? I'm not 100 percent sure, but what do you think about that? I, 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 I mean, I don't want to say that I got the total opposite read necessarily, um, but uh, an approximation of the total opposite read in a way. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm interested by you talking about the conservative, uh, anti-conservative kind of idea. Well, what's OK, so an early uh, chuckle, if you will, that I got out of the film is that I've just watched uh, uh, Yaya 
uh, I've just watched him on the phone trying to get a human to connect with him. Sure. And they won't. And his wife is dying and he has no money. He's a put upon veteran and he needs money desperately. And then it cuts to him getting in his car, which is like a 60s Bronco, which is Mm -hmm. like a a $100,000 car. (laughs) I was like, huh, interesting choice uh, Mm. to go there. But because I'm a, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Bay acolyte, I trust it at, for the time being. And then what does sure. he do? He drives to his brother's garage, you mm-hmm. know, Jake Gyllenhaal. And Jake Gyllenhaal's garage is full of, like, the most elaborate, beautiful, like, you know, vintage and new cars. So obviously this car was a gift sure. to Yahya Abdul. And what's beautiful about that is that Yahya, in desperate financial need, won't sell that car. Obviously because he loves his brother. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. It means something to him that his brother gave that to him. And he also yeah. feels we learned some guilt about kind of leaving his brother in the dust because he sees that his brother is a um, is a, uh, a general of chaos sure, uh, in the name sure. of excess. And yeah. um, that's kind of that's kind of what I saw Bay's criticism leaning toward was more um, using the American dream as an excuse for your excess. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like leaning on that crutch. So I guess it is kind of actually in a way similar to your idea of it. Like it's, it's critic, it's critical of the hyperbolic nature of yeah. conservatism and using the American dream as the conservative crutch. Yeah. And I mean, I mean, pain and gain, you know, I think is in that same lane. Oh, oh, pain and gain is the the genius move of pain and gain is that it tells you from opening scene exactly what the theme of the movie is mm-hmm. and spends the next, you know, two and a half hours going, no, everyone is a victim of this. Sure. Everyone. Sure. Like, like, yeah. like, like that's like, that's kind of the bait and switch. You think you see mm-hmm. exactly what he's talking about, but it's like, no, it's not just the dumb meatheads. It's also like, it's also like the, just the average guy trying to live his life like Ed Harris. It's also, you know, the guy who owns his own business. It's also the evil corporate slug that we're all doing this right now. Sure. And, sure. um, <laughs> yeah, Pain and Gain is his. I, I mean, that might still be his best movie. Um, I, I think it might be too. And uh, I, I know not everybody gets it, but um, there, there's just so much to that movie that I love. But yeah. uh, I never saw Hell or High Water. Though. You know, I didn't love Hell or High Water. Yeah. I, I just, I just see similar uh, themes here. But like, I, I did not love that movie. But well, it, I know a lot of people. You know, obviously, it came out right at the height of the whole Taylor Sheridan, or maybe he's even higher now. I don't know. <laughs> Well, a lot of people, when it came out, like, I, you know, I, I, as I've talked about on here and as some of your other co-hosts who have graciously mentioned me at times, sometimes they like to uh, angle me as a contrarian. And I understand that. Um, I don't agree, but I understand. But Mm. I hate to fuel the fire in a way of that argument. But when Hell or High Water came out, I was working at Arclight and it came out and everybody just like loved it. Right. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I don't even know what fucking movie you're talking about. And, and I watched the trailer. And by the way that people were talking about it, like the way that they were talking about it mm. versus what I was seeing in that trailer, I already knew that this movie wasn't for me. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Like whether it's good or bad or whatever is, is irrelevant to me. Mm-hmm. I could already tell that I'm like, no, this isn't my kind of movie. And now since then, I've seen what was it? He did um, The Outlaw King. And he didn't he do that Angelina Jolie movie last year? The Angelina year? Jolie one, yeah. Both yeah. of those were wildly mediocre. Mm-hmm. Um, and they are stories that interest me way more 
You know what yeah. I mean? So like what I hold on to about those two movies that I like is that I really like what those stories are about. Mm-hmm. He kind of gets in the way of them, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. So I don't know yeah. that I'll ever see Hell or High Water. I'm going to mm-hmm. ask you now before your entire audience, should I watch it? It's kind of tough because I feel like you would enjoy the performances, at least, even if you didn't like the story. I feel like all three of the leads are like really good, and I think you would appreciate them. But I don't know if you'd really like the story necessarily. Great. Well, then I will never watch it. And instead, I'll just enjoy other Chris Pine performances like the next puzzle piece that I'm about to mention. Ooh, which nice is, transition. Um, I mean, yeah, any, any chance I get to bring up this movie, and especially with the passing of the, uh, of the brilliant Ray Liotta, Smoke and Aces. Mm, sure. I love uh, Smoke and Aces. I think that Smoke and Aces is arguably like in the top 10 most underrated movies of this century. Mm-hmm. Um, I, truly, I think it's, I think it's um, mind-blowingly brilliant. And yeah. what I like about Smoke and Aces and why I think it relates to Ambulance is Smoke and Aces is specifically about the emotional chaos of people trying to pull off. Uh, in this, it's a hit, but in, but in, in you know, Ambulance, it's this heist. The movie yeah. is fueled by the emotional chaos um, and, 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 and just the moving pieces. In Smoke and Aces, you have like seven different teams of people trying to come down on a person who he himself is like a complete and total mess, like a sociopathic yeah. mess, which he, Buddy Aces Israel is very similar to Jake Gyllenhaal sure. uh, in a way. Yeah. Um, and like Jake Gyllenhaal's character in uh, ambulance throughout the movie, Buddy realizes more and more that he's compromised himself to the point of villainy. Like, mm. like, like, Buddy is in total denial at the very beginning. Of the movie. I mean, it's one of the most brilliant establishing shots for a character ever. Have you seen Smoke and Aces? I haven't seen it like literally since the theater. Um, I loved it when it came out, and it's been on my rewatch list for a while now because it's come up on piecing it together so many times over the years. It's going to be one of those. It's going to be one of those that 40 years from now, people are going to be talking about it the way that I talk about, you know, dollars or night moves with Gene Hackman. Like, it's going to be one of those kind of movies. But, um, but in the movie, like, everybody's talking about Buddy Israel. Everybody's talking about this character, and you kind of see him in montage form through other people's assessment of him. But the mm-hmm. first time we ever see Buddy Aces Israel alone by himself, the way that it's shot is it's a, it looks like a helicopter shot, and it's going through, um, oh, shit, where are they? It's not, um, it's like Tahoe. Like, it's mm-hmm. going through, like, the trees, and it goes to, like, this casino. Like, it goes up to the top of the casino, this shot, and over the roof, and then you see through a skylight, right? Then the camera goes through the skylight, so we now know that it's not actually like a helicopter shot. You know, it, it comes down sure. through the skylight into a penthouse. And in the far background of the penthouse, uh, the camera stays locked. Buddy walks in, and he walks all the way right up to the camera into the sunlight from the skylight. He looks up at the sun, puts on his sunglasses, smirks, and goes, fuck you. <laughs> Like, like, it's it's brilliant. It's it's Carnahan rules. Oh, he he more than rules. He's 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 like Bay. But what? But I think what makes Bay, um, what I admire more about Bay is that Carnahan. Carnahan's almost like the like the Robert Rodriguez to Bay's like um, Quentin Tarantino. In that, like, what makes Tarantino and Bay both geniuses is that they know how to be this kind of filmmaker at the highest level of the industry. 
Mm-hmm. Like they are so good at navigating the industry and getting these big payouts and these big pushes and promotions, right? But yeah. somebody like Carnahan and why he's a hero to me is he he just does not like the way that Hollywood does business. Sure. You know, he's like, no, like pay your people, stop taking these huge paychecks, get your fucking movie made. Like, yeah. like stop, you know, who are you? Why are you here? You don't belong. Get out is his motto. And yeah. he also has the integrity to back it up. He's he's like uh, Dave Chappelle in that way that he turns the money down. Yeah. Mission Impossible three. Tom Cruise saw Narc, uh, his movie Carnahan's movie Narc, loved it and got Paramount to like give it the big push. Right. So he Tom Cruise established Carnahan's career as we know it. Tom huh. Cruise then says, "Joe, I want you to make Mission Impossible three. Joe Carnahan says, "Great." He works on it for about a year and goes, "Dude, I don't think we're seeing eye to eye. I'm going to bow out. Good luck, brother." Like it takes, I didn't know that. Yeah, exactly. It takes so much integrity. And then he did the same thing with Bad Boys. He was going to take over Bad Boys 3. And he worked on it for a long time. I think then, I did hear about that. Yeah, yeah. He worked on it for years. And then he got to the point where Will Smith, he's like, dude, I don't think we're seeing the same movie. So like, go make your movie. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, and he bowed out. You, you know what I mean? And like that kind of, like that takes guts. That takes, yeah. you know, and, and, and. And but Carnahan thankfully can deliver at five million dollars, ten million dollars. You know, yeah, they can. He proved it with you know pain and gain, but he doesn't yeah. want to. <laughs> no, well, but then speaking of which, though, I mean, this movie is relatively cheap. Forty ambulance for yeah, forty million for for this kind of a movie. I mean, it's relatively cheap nowadays. Oh, it's more than cheap nowadays. Like, uh, I think like if you adjust for inflation, that's like a. Like if this movie were made at in the year uh, two thousand and two, that's like an eighteen or seventeen million dollar budget, mm-hmm. um, and it's mostly practical. And it's I it's on our it's on that that puzzle pieces page all the time. People talking about go back to movies, go back to the forty where the forty million dollar grown up movies. It's like well here mm-hmm. it is, here it is, here's the movie yeah. you're talking about, and you're not going to see it because it's by the guy who made Transformers, and you've probably yes. only seen two of those at best. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's such a bummer, such a bummer. But real, real quick, I'll just say before I move on to my next piece, I was almost going to bring up boss level. Speaking of Carnahan, mm-hmm. um, just because uh, this does feel like if, if boss level is first person shooter video games, this feels like Grand Theft Auto. Yeah, oh yeah, you know. So it's it's kind of in that same kind of inspired by video games uh, thing. But instead, I will go. You were just talking about Tom Cruise. I will go to his Michael Mann thriller Collateral, mm-hmm. um, where he basically kidnaps Jamie Foxx's taxi driver and has to take him around to various stops around town while pulling off these hits. And it just goes all across L.A., just like a nonstop thing from from spot to spot that has to be done in order for keeping the plot in constant forward motion as the action is being drawn out. And uh, I don't know how you feel about Collateral, but I just rewatched it recently for the first time in a long time, and I love that movie. Yeah, I, I think that I'm, I'm blown away by what, what a great piece that is, actually. That's like the perfect puzzle piece. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and, and also props for segueing it from us just talking about Tom Cruise a second ago, and also props for using that instead of heat. Sure. In, uh, collateral. I saw it for the first time uh, while we were making Natasha Hall. I had never oh, seen wow. it. I really don't like Jamie Foxx as an actor. It takes a lot for me to go see a Jamie Foxx movie, so I never saw it. And uh, I also don't like Tom Cruise uh, as a person. He's a fine mm-hmm. actor, but he creeps me the hell out. I think he's the creepiest person alive, um, yeah. and yeah. I'll stand yeah. by it. Uh, 
watch cocktail and tell me if that isn't the the scariest person you've ever met in your life. But um, <laughs> Collateral, the when I was watching it, I'm also not a Michael Mann fan. I just mm. want to point that out. I do like the movie Miami Vice. I know that's Jamie like a Fox. hat trick right there. All all three. I mean. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> Jamie Foxx is like, you know, like I know he's in that one, but I think he's really great in that. I think it's one of the reasons I hate Jamie Foxx is his ego. And I mean, like it takes a lot of ego to be like, we're making a Miami Vice movie. Why isn't this about tubs? Mm. Um, you know, but uh, but Collateral was really impressive to me because you start off with two people I can't stand, Jamie Foxx and Jada Pinkett Smith. Like that's mm. like the opening of the movie. And I'm watching it and I'm like, wow. I don't like Michael Mann. I don't like J- Jada Pinkett Smith. I don't like Jamie Foxx. I'm really enjoying this movie. <laughs> like I, I thought it was really excellent. I was like, I'm, yeah. I'm in it. Then the second Tom Cruise gets in the car, suddenly Jamie Foxx's performance becomes all ego. Suddenly mm. Jamie Foxx and Tom Cruise are trying to chest puff each other. You know what I mean? Well, it, yeah, and I mean, certainly they are. But yeah, and I, if, and I, if you enjoy it, though, it, it works. I See, and like I... I it took me out of the movie. It mm. took me away from the two characters and into like watching these two egomaniacs out egomaniac each other. And I also felt like the plot kind of, I, I you know, it, it tries to pull that to live and die in LA twist where the main detective, you know, Mark Ruffalo, you think he's our guy and then he gets offed halfway through. It tries to pull that card and mm. it, it just, from there on though, it totally lost me 100%. I mean, the Javier Bardem scene is just as brilliant as everybody suggests. And even mm-hmm. he's very similar to the character in Ambulance, the cartel guy in Ambulance. Yeah, that's another, um, yeah. They're very similar in, like, attitude. It's funny. I wonder if I should share this story here just with you later. But I, I met a guy at a Starbucks drive through window who reminded me of those two characters. Oh, boy. Yeah, like, I'll, I'll tell you about that later. It's very funny. Um, <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> I felt very threatened by him, but admired at the same time. Oh, okay, um, gotcha. But yeah, uh, Collateral, brilliant piece. I do not care for that movie. And I, by the time it got to the end, ending on the train, I'm waiting for the train after he has that whole speech about it. I'm like, okay, so he dies on the train. Let's get to a train. Mm. Um, yeah. yeah. Or it's perfect, but, you know. <laughs> I mean, I guess, I mean, uh, you know, I mean, I think that there's a difference between, like, waiting for something to happen mm-hmm. and then waiting for something to happen. Yeah, you know, I know you like that. Um, what's that movie with the mud? You like mud? Sure. And, and we've, t- I think we might even talk about it on the very last podcast. But like, they mentioned like rattlesnakes and rattlesnake bites so many times. Like after like the fifth time, I'm like, all right, like just fucking somebody get bit by a snake. Like I'm ready for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so let's go on to your next piece. My next piece. Uh, I'm gonna kind of pivot away from the the uh, the adrenaline rush that is the last couple movies we've mentioned. And I want to focus more on the subversive nature of uh, Ambulance. Um, and I want to reference uh, one of my personal favorite movies. It's the only movie poster I have up on my wall, aside from Natasha Hall. I know the vanity. Um, mm. It's a film that uh, Jason Harris actually likes very much and has mentioned to you before on your podcast. It's Martin Bress's 1979 bank heist comedy, Going in Style. Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, uh, Art Carney, George Burns, and Lee Strasberg. Um, it is about three old men who are just bored and decide to rob a bank yep. out of boredom. They are roommates, they're widowers, they're, you know, and they're just finally like, Ugh. like, I think they even, the whole catalyst is they see this like fat kid just eating ice cream in front of them, staring them down. They're like, what the fuck? 
Like, yeah. what are we doing with our lives? Like, sure. like, and what's so interesting about it is you see these three old men, they like drive into fucking, I don't want to give away all the stuff that happens, but it's just very casual for them figuring yeah. out, all right, well, we need to pick a bank. We need um, some disguises. They settle on like Groucho Marx, like, you know, nose and glasses, novelty nose and glasses or whatever. We mm. need to get a couple guns, you know, and who, you know. And their whole ultimate thing is like, if we get caught, who gives a shit? We're like 100 years old and we'll just die, you know, sure. in prison. Who gives a shit? Yeah. Um, and what's so brilliant about the movie is that the bank heist is over at the end of Act One. Yeah. And, the, and the, you've seen this movie? Uh, no, I, I've never actually seen Going in Style, no. Okay, great, great. So like Ambulance, the, the, the bank heist itself is over at the end of Act One. That's, it's, and it almost kind of like tricks you in a way. You yeah. know, that like, oh, like this movie isn't about the bank heist necessarily. It's about, quote unquote, getting away with it. Yeah. You know, and, um, and they, remade, they remade Going in Style um, in like 2017, I think. Sounds that, about right. I remember that, that idiot sandwich movie. Um, who made that? It was uh, Zach Braff. Zach and, Braff directed it, right? Yeah, and like, look, man, like I'm not one of these people that's like, oh, don't touch a classic, you know? Like, no, it's fine. I don't care. Like, you know, do whatever you want. But, um, the remake of Going in Style gets everything wrong. Mm. In Going with Style, the remake. Have you seen that film? I have not. Yeah, no. there's a reason. In yeah. Going in Style, the remake, it's Michael Caine, Morgan Freeman, Alan Arkin. That's what I thought, yeah. They yeah. give them motivation. Not only motivation to rob a bank, but they also give them motivation to rob a specific bank. Hmm. The opening scene is Michael Caine finding out that he can't refinance his house from this bank, that they won't give him a loan. And while they're there, while he's there trying to beg them to give him the loan, the bank gets robbed which gives him the idea. Then that bank also turns out to be the bank that was holding the pension for mm. all of these people who worked at a factory, which Michael Caine sure. also worked for along with Alan Arkin and Morgan Freeman. And like, so like now they have motivation to take down that bank specifically. And mm. then like they seek out the bank robber who robbed the bank initially to get his help on the bank robbery. And then like they have this big, stupid, elaborate plot involving a fucking carnival and alibis to make it look like they were at the carnival. Like it's like it's 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 every wrong decision. Just missing the point all the way through. Right. Which is even more so makes uh, going in style a puzzle piece for ambulance. Because mm -hmm. I think I've mentioned this to you, I'm almost positive I have, that I am convinced that Ambulance, as a film, is a metaphor for the film industry and where it's gone wrong. Sure. Um, yeah. I will save my, uh, my, my analysis, if you will, of that for my next puzzle piece. Okay. Because um, it fits better with that. But just know that I'm, I'm, I'm warming you up. I'm warming, okay. warming the audience up for that one. Awesome. Awesome. I love when a puzzle piece, you know, they, they can, they can be build up, you know, that, that makes the show so exciting. Joe. I'm a filmmaker. I'm a storyteller. You know what I yes, mean? Yes, you are. Uh, Absolutely. You know, like, so like, like I'm trying to set you up, you know, love it. Love <laughs> it. Well, before we get to that, uh, you slowed things down a little bit with going in style. I'm going to speed them right back up. We talked about Keanu earlier. I'm going to bring up speed as a puzzle piece. Hell yeah. Um, yeah, you kind of have to with this movie. I mean, you've got this situation in which a vehicle basically can't stop or they're all going to die. 
So, I mean, there you go. You got speed except for in an ambulance instead of on a bus. And uh, less characters, but just as well drawn. I mean, all of the characters stuck on this ambulance are great to watch. Not just our two leads, but uh, Gonzalez, uh, Isa Gonzalez. She's She's another one of those actors like Yaya, who I was talking about where I've been like, is she as good as like they're trying to sell me on? And yes, is the answer. Yeah, this, if if nothing else, this freaking proves that. She is so good in this. Uh, everybody who's not on, on the ambulance is great. I mean, the FBI agent is is great. The the captain's hilarious. I mean, there, there's so many good characters built around this vehicle that's just driving nonstop around the city that can't stop. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I mean, it, I feel like there's a lot that could be compared here with the original Speed. Well, yeah, especially because it's Los Angeles that they're driving that, around, too. If, like, yeah. like, that's like, yeah. you know, that's a big thing. So also, yeah, making a chase movie in Los Angeles in itself is, like, inherently funny. Um, yeah. And, uh, um, you know, if Smoke and Aces is in my top 20 favorite movies of all time, Speed is in my top 10. Yeah, um, yeah. Speed, I think, when I think of action scenes in my head from other movies it always has the score from speed, you know, like, like speed to me is, um, Hollywood filmmaking at it's, it's, it's the gold star standard. It's the, Mm -hmm. it's, it is the perfect movie. People say a perfect movie doesn't exist. No, it really actually does. It's called speed. And, um, you talk about all the characters in it, you know, um, even side characters being so Sam, the bus driver who gets shot, at mm-hmm. the, it, it, when you know in the standoff on the bus at the beginning sure. he's, he's one of my favorite characters in movie history because sam i'm not even joking like you can't see it because like the, the my cameras are working but i'm actually kind of getting teared up thinking about like, what a good person <laughs> he is he when sam gets shot like he's already on board but he knows what the problem is he knows the bus can't go under 50 when he gets shot he is insisting on keeping his foot on that pedal. Mm-hmm. Like Sandra Bullock's trying to pull him off. She's like, Sam, you got to get off. You got to take your foot off. He's slamming that pedal. Cause he's, yeah. he's, I mean, he just got fucking shot. <laughs> like, you know, and even as he's like dying, as she's driving and like, they're trying to figure out what to do. He's still working up the courage to be like, there's an access panel in the floor. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, like he's, he's, he reminds me of the cab driver that you and I have talked about in Gloria, the one who like drives her around and then like yeah, sure. get away and high fives her at the end, you know? Yep. Um, yep. Like, uh, yeah. Speed is sorry to go off on that tangent. I just, you know, much love to Sam, the bus driver. Great character. He's my favorite yeah. character in movie history. Like truly he's a hero. I, I think he's brilliant. Um, but like, honestly, the genius of speed is that they've got them driving on an, on a freeway that was not finished at the time. It's like the only way you can get away with doing that fucking movie. Um, I, I just came back from California, and I just the, the traffic. I just can't even imagine. And like, you were in Pasadena. I was in like, Pasadena. Like, <laughs> like you were, you were, you were in the light traffic. Like you know, yeah. Um, but um, but one thing about ambulance that actually speaks to Bay's career that a lot of people aren't talking about when it comes to Bay is that he he is trying to lend attention to marginalized uh, voices and to minorities. Like he, um, when he made bad boys, he literally had to fight to get Martin Lawrence in the movie because they wanted one black, one white cop. That's how these movies are made. And he's like, no, I want two black men. I want these two black men to be our heroes. And then more so 
the studio, he had, he wanted to give Martin Lawrence's character a big finale, like a big heroic finale. And they were like, no, fuck him. He doesn't matter. And Michael Bay used his own money to pay for a day of production so that Martin Lawrence could get his big hero finish, you know, like wow. Bay has been, and in this movie, they specifically are dealing with the East side of Los Angeles, East LA. Um, yeah. And they even, somebody even makes a comment about it where he says like, he says like, Oh, I haven't been, you know, to East LA and, you know, you know, five years or 20 years who goes over there. And right. like the one chick is like, uh, like four and a half million marginalized people. Like, sure. <laughs> like you know, <laughs> you know, and, and you look at like the lineup of people in this, in this film, you know what I mean? You've got a Hispanic lead, you've got a black lead, you've got, um, the FBI agent is like openly homosexual without a single stereotype in sight. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, he's, it's, it's, it's across the board. He's a man of representation. And I think that like speed, he does, there's a shot in speed where they pan the whole the whole bus. And I remember right. I saw it in the theater recently, actually they play it here in LA a lot. I remember thinking, wow, every face on this bus is amazing. Like yeah. every face on this bus is memorable. Even the people who have no lines. And I think that Bay has always been really good about that too, is that he really knows how to cast a movie. Like all of these people have such distinct personalities. I mean, Jake Gyllenhaal's sure. eyes, even through a hockey mask, you know, it's Jake Gyllenhaal. Sure. Great characters just all throughout it. But uh, what do you got for your next piece, Joe? Well, to ramp it up even more, David Rosen, we're going to go to Speed Racer. Ooh. Yes. Um, Much like Bay's career, as we kind of hinted at, is getting a a, a kind of a cult-like resurgence. This movie has got, this Speed Racer has gotten a cult-like resurgence. Um, Oh, yeah. I remember seeing it opening weekend with my brother. Um, and very few movies like I'm, I'm pretty audible in a movie when it comes to laughter. Like I, 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 I you, you can hear my laugh outside of the theater, but mm-hmm. I don't like cheer. I don't do any of that stuff. It's like, you know, goofy to me, but mm. speed racer at the end of that movie, when he skid just across standing the finish up line, and just I fist bumping. Yeah. I was jumping. <laughs> I was, I was pulling out my own hair. I was like, holy shit. You know? Um, yeah. you know, you talk about an adrenaline rush of a movie, um, the opening 18 minutes of speed racer is some of the best like writing you'll ever see in a movie. Like, like the, the way that the opening 20 minutes of that movie is constructed where by the end of 20 minutes, we've gotten a big, exciting race. We've gotten all the exposition about the danger that speed racer is in. We know about all the villains. We know about every character. We know about their relationship to each other. We know what they have to overcome, uh, physically, uh, and emotionally. And we also know, what their goal is by the end of this 20 minutes, all wrapped up in an action sequence. Like it's, it's masterful. It's masterful. It's perfect. Yeah, it really is. And so, I mean, like uh, other than these obvious comparisons that I'm drawing for, uh, ambulance, this is the one where I kind of want to speed racer ultimately is a movie about the movie industry. Hmm. It's, it's a film about speed wanting to be, a race car driver, like a professional car race car driver from a family that like built, built their own racers, raced independently. And then suddenly a big corporation, big, you know, billion dollar corporation takes notice of him, wants to utilize his driving by making him part of a team, part of an assembly and Mm. wants to have an influence on the way he makes his car on the way he, you know, and when speed gets a taste of it, he politely declines and then that company sets out to destroy him. 
Sure. And not only destroy him by burying him under all of their other products and all of their other like co-corporations that they're like conspiring with, but also by disillusioning him of of the things that inspired him to begin with because his it, Richard Roundtree plays a uh, a retired race car driver who speed specifically tells the evil corporate guy I remember when I was a kid watching that rate watching his race with my father and watching him an underdog come from behind to win and that brought our whole family together and that's what racing is to me not what you're doing and then yeah. the corporate guy politely just tears him apart by saying that whole fucking thing was planned we paid him we constructed it your whole meaning your whole existence is a construct based in what I'm doing right now you think mm-hmm. you're fucking hot shit you're a nobody yeah right and Speed at the end confronts that race car driver, and the race car driver doesn't answer him whether or not it was constructed. He just says, all that matters is what it meant to you. Yeah. Right? And then Speed stays true to himself and crosses the finish line at rocket speed. You know what I mean? And I feel like I'm going to cry right now, just like reminiscing about Speed Racer. It's just the best. Right. And the whole thing is a metaphor for the Wachowskis in the Hollywood industry. Yeah. Like, like... Here you, they made Bound. Oh my God, you guys are the new big thing. Uh, and then they make the Matrix, which like pushes some buttons that they're not too comfortable with or whatever, you know. And then the, but then it is a big success with people. So they get blank check cards. They make two movies that, while not critically received, they made billion dollars. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. and the Wachowskis are fighting this uphill battle ever since of like corporate because they 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 they're too wacky for like the corporate standard of what a Hollywood movie is. They're, they're out there. These guys, these, these women, excuse me. Like it's hard to, it's hard to forget the Wachowski brothers. Like, you know what I mean? It really is like it, it, because still on the credits, right? Like, like it's, it's, it's so I, I, I'm trying to stay respectful to the, you know, the, the uh, Lana and Linda Wachowski, like, you know, they are so radically out there that they're fighting an uphill battle in this industry. You know, Mm -hmm. and like Hollywood, when you come out here, like all the movies that inspired you, like I'm not I'm not an idiot. The movies that inspired me to make movies. It's not like I didn't watch the long goodbye at five years old and go, wow, no, I watched Batman. You you know what I mean? And it's hard. It's hard to accept that those things that you love are constructed to make you love them. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? It's 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 hard to not be disillusioned by that, especially when you're trying to make it as a filmmaker yourself, when you're trying to stay true to your artistic intention and you can get completely shut out or or swallowed up by yeah. how this industry runs itself and ambulance like so i see speed racer as a total film about the industry about filmmaking sure. as an industry and maintaining your artistic integrity and i think ambulance is the same movie okay i think that the emts are the filmmakers i think that the bank robbers are the producers mhm I think that the uh, cartel characters are the foreign investment mm. um, who are just trying to protect their investment. Sure. And I think that the police and the authorities, if you will, are the audiences. Mm. Now, I hope you're okay with me explaining that a little bit. I, I'm, I'm ready. I, okay. I am listening. So, so, first of all, the main EMT, her name is cam c a m they even try to give her real name she goes no just call me cam right like okay so she's a camera like for fuck's sake Um, we're off to we're off to a good start by the way i I like it okay cool so what have you got you've got these producers these bank robbers 
who have an opportunity to make a bunch of money as quick as possible, but they have to do it right now. So they go when they're not prepared, when they're not, you know, like when, when all the pieces aren't together yet. Right. Mm -hmm. And they get in over their heads. They get in completely over their heads because the audience shows up and the audience isn't into what they're doing. Like the mm. audience, and and you, how do we first establish the cops in this movie? What are they doing? Quoting movies, talking yeah, about oh, yeah. movies, and talking yeah. about how the movie, the movie made by Michael Bay, Nessa, is inspiring him to be a romantic and go get the girl that he wants, right? Mm-hmm. So we literally have the cops, the authoritarian figures set up as, we are the authority on what's going on, we, are, we relate to what you are doing, and it inspires us to do what we do. Great. So the producers get in completely over their head, right? And they yeah. literally throw one of them under a bus. <laughs> mm, yeah, sure. So they throw <laughs> one of them under a bus. And what do the producers then do to get themselves out of a jam? They get involved with a filmmaker, right? They jump mm. into this ambulance. They have an EMT literally working on them and the audience the whole time. The EMT trying to strategically get the producers to go to where they're supposed the robbers to go where they're supposed to go, while simultaneously the filmmaker is tending to the audience, is tending to the cop in the back seat. Now, <laughs> even <laughs> it's it, it's it's only funny because it's absolutely what the movie is about. I'm not it's not even a hypothetical. No, I'm on board so far. When we first meet the EMT character, right? What is her problem? Her problem is, is that she's really good at what she does, but she's seen so much bloodshed and violence and all this. She's, she cannot, she no longer can connect with, with the people she's helping. She sure. has no interest. She's really good at what she does. People, you know, but, but like she, the little girl, she can't even stand it. The, the violence that's happening to these people, to these victims is so strong that all she can do is ignore it just so she can do her job. Mm-hmm. And throughout the whole movie, the movie is about her learning to care again, right? Yeah. And the more she learns to care, the more she drops her resentments, the more she leans on like her doctor ex-boyfriend or whatever. By the end of the movie, she gets her money shot as she's leaving the hospital, right? After going back to this little girl who she rejected. The, the, first of all, that it's a little girl is like the violent, and she herself is a woman. So she's ignoring the little girl inside of her that died once she realized the horrors of the world. Uh-huh. she leaves the yeah. hospital all victorious and that's the first time we get the shot of the hollywood sign in the whole movie in a mm. movie full of of b-roll footage of los angeles the first time we get it is after the money shot of the of the emt finally learning to care again and accomplishing something now to further the metaphor of the cops being the viewer they literally spend the whole movie viewing through satellite feeds or through their phones viewing and trying to connect with what's going on, trying to draw the Mm. dots to what's going on. Now, the cartel guy's getting called in. What is it that they do? The cartel guys take a classic car, right? A classic, keep that word in mind, classic car that has been completely given a brand new paint job with gaudy flames and purple and like hydraulics and rims, right? So they take a classic, slap a new coat of gaudy paint on it, put a dummy, a literal crash dummy as the driver, mm-hmm. which they're driving by remote control, and they put a fucking Gatlin gun in the car, right? Mm-hmm. And what do they do? They use that to attack the audience, if you will, to, mm-hmm. to, you know. Now, once they finally put their, so you've literally got a classic that's been gussied up, being helmed by a dummy, driven remote control with an excessive weapon that's unnecessary, right? Uh-huh. If that isn't yeah. a metaphor for modern filmmaking, I don't know what is. 
uh-huh. uh, in this land of IP and reboots and re- requels. Now, what's even more brilliant about that metaphor is that Jake Gyllenhaal, the producers, and the, they come up with this plan where they've already taken care of the police. They blow up that one ambulance and are able to make their way you know, away from the police. So the police have already been assaulted, if you will, by these producers. But then in comes this classic car and wipes them all out for overkill. Like, it's just overkill at that point. There's no sure. point in it, right? Like, like, they've already gotten away, and they end up killing our main protagonist police officer. They kill our lead audience member, mm-hmm. right? And then once we get the producers, the EMT, and the foreign investors all together in what, one room, what happens? The producers realize that the, the, the push and pull between their artistic uh, intentions, their, their wanting to connect with people, their connection to the EMT, pulls them away from the evil money grubbers and it causes bloody chaos and they end up kind of turning on each other. Like mm. the whole movie, the whole movie is a, is a metaphor for filmmaking. Like, it, it, but not even just being an artist, but literally it, it's not even, a, that's, that's kind of one of the brilliant things about the film is that it's not necessarily a movie for artists in the way that Speed Racer is. Right. It's a movie for the industry to say like, hey, take your time Make sure you have all the pieces together and get somebody who fucking cares to, to see this thing through. Like yeah. that's, how, that's how you save this city that we love so much, this romantic city that we love so much, Hollywood, you know? And, and that's what I mean by Bay is a genius. And I know a lot of people this weekend that were recording this Maverick has come out, Top Gun Maverick. I, I was just out. about to ask you, I know you're, you're mixed on it versus me who loved it, but... Do you think that that kind of comes from the same place of people who care, who give a shit? No. I See, think it, and I, I no, do. No, but, but no, 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 no. But I think, I think it comes from people who think that they care. Okay. No, I'm serious. I'm very serious. Yeah. Because everybody, it's baked into the reviews, professional and otherwise, that this is a movie about caring about movies again. Right? Mm-hmm. Like that's part of the dialogue of this movie. And yeah. at the end of the day, if you watch Ambulance, like, is that what you take? Did you take any of that away from Ambulance, what I just said? Any of that stuff? Uh, not necessarily. Right. But like, <laughs> yeah. but the reason why I don't think it's like Maverick is because Maverick is so ego-driven mm-hmm. that Tom Cruise is making it a point that this is what we need to be doing. This is like how we need to blah, 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 blah. You know what I mean? Like, that's the point of the movie almost. Like, and it's baked into how the movie has been sold to you, man. Like mm-hmm. it's how it, they're literally using. It's the same thing as saying, like, "Oh, this movie costs a hundred million dollars. That must mean it's a hundred million dollars good." You know, <laughs> the movie making is the only industry that I can think of where the cost of production is baked into the sales pitch. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Maybe maybe uh, like a, a whiskey or something like that. But look at all the actors who have their own alcohols now. So God, David, kinda... that's one of the funniest things I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> I that's really funny. Good one. No, I love that. Um, no, but I think that Tom Cruise thinks that he cares. I really do, and I think that he thinks that that's what he's doing with this movie. I really do. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, let's just put it this way: opening title card of Top Gun Maverick is what. It's the original thing about what Top Gun is, right? Like the whole like history of Top Gun, right? Yeah. And it ends with they call they call it dot dot dot. The title card fades, and then Top Gun pops up, right? Yeah. And then the word Maverick pops up underneath, mm-hmm. and I'm like, they call it Top Gun Maverick. 
<laughs> it's yeah. about Maverick. And and it and, is about Maverick. And, and, yeah. And here's the thing. But like right out of the gate, Tom Cruise is servicing himself. Mm. It's all about himself. It's and he wants better movies. Great. Good for you. Right? But but like you don't do that by like touting yourself as a god. You know what I mean? Like one you know, all of the sub characters in Top Gun Maverick, they're all in service of Maverick yeah. as a character. Whether it's Jennifer Connelly or or Miles Teller's character, they're all in service. Even Val Kilmer in the most distasteful cameo I could ever imagine. I love the movie industry uh, metaphor, but I can't go with you down the Top Gun Maverick dislike path here. Look, I, I think I that Top Gun it. Maverick is a well-directed movie. I think Joe Kaczynski is a genius in the making. I think that, um, I think that they're the acting, even by creep ass Tom Cruise is very solid. Like on a technical level, other than the writing on a technical level, this movie is aces. But on a on this idea that it's going to be the kind of movies to, you know, save movies. No, I think that it's a total fallacy. And I think the problem with movies is egos like Tom Cruise's. The mm. budget for Top Gun Maverick is almost a billion dollars. Yeah. No, truly. And that's the one thing that like I the one part of it that I could agree with you on is like to spend the amount that Top Gun has done versus to spend the amount Ambulance did and still kind of get at the same idea. Yeah, that kind of just is a problem, I guess. I think it's more than a problem. I think that it's I think that it actually shows us what's really wrong. Like, and I do think that Maverick is well intended. I don't want to I don't want people to misunderstand. I think that it is intending to say the same thing. I really mm -hmm. believe that. Yeah. But it's sick in the head. It really is. It's sick in the head because Tom Cruise is sick in his head. Well, I mean, that I think you'd find a lot of people who agree with you on. Yeah. That being said, uh, Tom, if you want to Joe Carnahan my career at any point, um, I'm open to changing my mind about you. Yes. Absolutely. Let's do lunch. Absolutely. <laughs> well, uh, I, I got a few other things I could bring up, but I'm just going to do one more puzzle piece here. Uh, and that is Ridley Scott's Prometheus. Mm. Um, mm. Because I was immediately thinking about the c-section machine sequence that nomi rapace has to put herself through to cut out the alien baby and just how insanely intense and over the top that was and how it a lot felt like the scene here where they have to operate on the cop's spleen uh and if they remove the bullet wrong it's going to explode and uh spoiler alert you know it goes bad oh yeah Oh yeah, that's a great puzzle piece. I would have said Freddie got fingered for when he gets the baby out of her body. Um, <laughs> the <yes>. body. <laughs> Another uh, film that I would say is in the top ten most uh, underappreciated films of this century. Um, oh, agreed. Yeah, but yeah. Yes. But uh, yeah, no, that sequence. I've seen I've seen Ambulance three times now in the theater, and every time, every time that's it bursts, the whole audience just shrieks. Like, yeah, it, it is so because secretly we're all thinking like, all right, I want the cop to live and I want her to succeed, but I want to see that thing burst. Not going. Yes, like we're all we're all thinking it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I've only ever seen audiences react that way two other consistently like that for two other movies. One is in Match Point, the Woody Allen film. Have you ever seen that? Uh, you know what? Yeah, I did see that when it first came out. Yeah. I haven't seen it since. Then. There's the whole metaphor for a tennis ball when it hits the net and it can, if it falls over the net, you win. If it, if it falls back to your side, you lose. And at the mm. end when the guy like has his evil scheme and he throws the ring and it, the wedding ring and it hits the railing and it's supposed to go over into the, but then falls back down. 
Yeah, like, yeah. The whole audience, every time I saw that movie a bunch of times in the theater, like, in the, like yeah. five or six, every time the audience let out an audible, <gasps> you know, like every time. And then the other time where the whole audience was in unison, every time I saw the movie, was in Zach and Mary make a porno mm-hmm. when uh, Jeff Anderson is filming Katie Morgan and uh, Jason Mewes doing a little uh, backdoor action, if you will. And then she like releases on him, like, like, do you remember what I'm talking about? Because basically when she shits on Jeff Anderson, like, like yes, when he's yes. there, that audience, I've never seen an audience. I, I think I saw people like front flip over the seat in front of them, like freaking out so much when that happened in that movie. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds about right. I, I kind of remember that opening weekend. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah I remember it. Opening. Oh, dude, that was back when a Kevin Smith movie, man was like, there was nothing I could talk about for months leading up to it. It's like, Oh, new Kevin yeah. Smith, no other movies matter. Like, you know, seeing it every day opening weekend, like, was a thing. And cut to yoga hosers. Oh, boy. <laughs> any, uh, any last puzzle pieces you wanted to bring up, Joe? I mean, you know, not, not, in any, uh, not in any, like, meaningful way. I mean, the other one I had in my back pocket was Gone in 60 Seconds, the Nicolas Cage version, specifically. Because, sure. you know, again, it's one of those, like, doing the big heist for the good cause to save a family member and like the duality between am I evil or am I good? Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, I I think that about does it for ambulance, Joe. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I've got a bunch of uh, listener puzzle pieces, but I'm going to save those for the next trailer episode. So everybody make sure to listen to that. But is there another movie you watched recently that uh, you'd like to recommend to our listeners? Um, Yeah. uh, Funny enough, I have a really strong recommendation and then I have a really strong, um, like warning, I guess. I warning. Yeah. The the movie that and, and what's really funny is like one will negate the other. Um, mm. <laughs> I I actually um uh you know I'm married and as you know like there are certain movies you watch because you're married. Um, mm-hmm. For you, it's like these lifetime movies and stuff like that. You know, like, sure. And and you end up enjoying some of them here and there. Uh, my yeah. wife asked me many times, and I I I was you know I acquiesced. Uh, I, we watched Rebel Wilson's new Netflix movie, Senior Year. Oh, yeah. 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 And I actually thought it was terrific. Like, mm-hmm. I, I thought that what it lacked, I mean, it, the whole premise is that she, like, senior year during a cheerleading thing gets double crossed by the other girl and she doesn't catch her when she's supposed to. And she lands, hits her head, and wakes up 20 years later from a coma. So she's mm-hmm. 37 with the mind of a 17 year old and she wants to go back and finish her senior year. Yeah, I mean, you have to immediately you have to concede to a few things. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, yeah. it's the dumbest idea ever. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, so but you, some, some movies with with similarly dumb setups have been some of our favorites back in like the 90s. Billy Madison. Like that. Yeah. Never sure. been kissed, you know? Yeah. And so you have to kind of like you already have to like know that you're going to suspend that. And there are certain things that they do developmentally with some of the characters that are like either superfluous or like don't go far enough. And there is also one scene, much like in Top Gun Maverick, where they have a callback character. They have Alicia Silverstone show up as an Uber driver. And it's just mm. like very cringeworthy from minute one. And like yeah. the 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 uh, Val Kilmer scene in Top Gun Maverick could have been cut out completely without changing anything. Mm. Had to get one more dig in, didn't you? But... Look, I sound bipolar, <laughs> but like I thought Top Gun Maverick was fine. I, I've yeah. seen it, you know, I gave it three out of five stars on Letterboxd. That's about as yeah. you know fair as I can be. Um, but, but senior year, what it lacks in, in certain departments makes up for in a talented cast landing their jokes, Mm -hmm. the jokes land, the cast is likable. And if you're looking for anything more 
from a movie like Senior Year, then you're the asshole. Yeah, yeah, right. So I recommend that one. The movie that I would warn people about, and I already know, you can't warn movie fans away from a David Cronenberg film. Oh but, boy. But I had the the gross displeasure of having to sit through his insufferably stupid, ugly, and indulgent mess, Crimes of the Future. Mm. Um, there are reports that a woman walked out of Cannes five minutes into it because it was so disgusting. I think she meant, I think there's a loss of translation. I think she meant because it's so horribly made. The acting is abysmal. The CGI, dude, the CGI in this movie looks like, the, you remember that really great 90s uh, show Reboot? I don't think I ever watched that. Great. Well, the CGI looks like that. The CGI uh-huh. is like, there's some drool at the beginning that is the worst CGI drool. The CGI drool in fucking Big Daddy looks better than this stuff. Why do you have to CGI drool? My thoughts exactly. But can't actors drool nowadays? What's no, not on this here? one apparently, but the acting is terrible. It's And, and I, I had to fill out like a survey card about it. When they asked me what films, if any, did this movie remind you of, I put Yoga Hosers. And... <laughs> They also asked, um, you know, why would you definitely not recommend this? And I, and the way I summarized it was that this is a midlife crisis movie made by an 80-year-old who did not develop mentally, emotionally, or sexually past college. Mm. And, um, and I stand by that. I also put on my scorecard that I've never felt worse for actors. I've never felt worse for film investors. I've never felt worse for audiences or projectionists. And I've also never felt worse for people who are asking people to take a survey after a movie. So everybody go see crimes of the future this weekend in theaters. Is that when it comes out? <laughs> I think so. I, I <laughs> like, honestly, like I know I can be like a little, like, you know, silly and like kind of a jerk, but it's all in silliness usually. Yeah. But I, I legit, with no cynicism, asked one of the people there, I, I asked one of the people working, I said, is this a completed movie? Mm. Because, and the only reason I asked was because the CGI was that bad. Mm. And the makeup effects also are actually kind of bad. Like you see the seams and the discoloration in, in the blending. And I didn't know if that was something that they were going to like fix in post. But like yeah. I, I, I legit had to ask because I was like, this looks really really like embarrassingly bad Mm. wow joe real quick before we get to your plug uh i just realized we did not mention something that i wanted to bring up on this episode about ambulance and that is michael bay's dog which oh yeah that dog is just a king oh yeah king amongst men oh incredible like to call us men in reference to that dog is almost (laughs) an insult to that dog Give uh, that dog its own movie. I, name, I will watch that was movie. Was his name Goliath? Was that his name in it? I, I think his real name yeah. is Nitro Zeus, but he's this insanely huge, some kind of like Mastiff breed. Mm. Um, oh, he's incredible. There's only yeah, one I just flaw. Wanted to give him the, a shout out. There's only one flaw in the whole movie. One technical flaw that I noticed in the whole movie is that mm. in one of the wide shots, when that dog is in the back of the car, you can yeah. see in one of the wide shots, you can see the handler. Like yeah. holding the dog a little bit. You can see him. <laughs> well, you need shit. a handler nearby or else shit can go like yeah, sideways like, with that dog. Like, so. that, that dog, that dog, I'm surprised they got that dog to fit in a car. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Seriously, I'm not going to lie though, David. First time I saw it, I'm not kidding. I'm not, first time I saw that dog, I thought of you. Yeah. I was like, I was like, oh, David's going to like that. Oh yeah, yeah. absolutely. And, and I just want to give props, like I said, because I have been kind of like questioning some of these actors who are in this movie. Like I go back and forth on them all the time. 
Um, like I mentioned, uh, Yahya Abdul Mateen, um, mm -hmm. Isa Gonzalez, um, yeah, Isa Gonzalez, uh, yeah. Jake Gyllenhaal. Like these are out, these are all three of these are actors that I'm kind of I've been on the fence about, and and I think that all three of them give really great performance. I think this is the best Jake Gyllenhaal's ever been in a movie. Oh, and, he's fantastic. And by the way, his name, Danny Sharp, fantastic name, absolutely for a character, absolutely. Yeah. And and um and I just I just I I also like to I want to give Michael Bay credit in that way too, because I feel like there are some actors who are going to be brilliant no matter what you put them in, like Tom Hardy or something like that. But then there mm. are some actors who really thrive under good direction. And sure. I honestly would categorize Brad Pitt in that way. Like mm -hmm. you give Brad Pitt a really solid director, you're going to get a great performance. You give Brad Pitt a mediocre director, you're going to get a passable performance. Sure. And I think sure. that, I think that all three of these people who have given mixed performances before, some of them are new, so it might be a little bit of green, but they got wonderful performance out of them and they did a great job. And I, and I've, I'm officially on all of their teams at the moment. So, yeah, absolutely. Well, Joe, where can people find you and your films? Oh, isn't that the question? Um, mm -hmm. I, uh, I, I have my website, bluemeanspregnantfilms.com, where you can watch almost all of my films as well as making of documentaries, short films, uh, trailers, music videos. I also have every member of my team that I've worked with consistently throughout the years is up there and you can see their work. It's all linked there. It's a big, nice little collection of artists, uh, a colony of artists, if you will. We are working on getting uh, our first television show off the ground. We're also working on um, getting a sequel to our last film, Natasha Hall off the ground, kind of a reimagining mm -hmm. to that. And uh, so we'll be updating our site as as things develop there. And you can contact us through there. We'd love to hear from you and love to talk to you about your work, our work, movies in general. Mm, yeah. Awesome. Joe, as always, it's great having you on the podcast. And I uh, look forward to getting you back again sometime. Yeah, thank you very much for having me, as always. Thank you. Hey guys, this is David, and I wanted to tell you about Newsly. It's an all-in-one audio super app for iOS and Android. And what it does is really cool because, I don't know, if you're like me, I don't have a lot of time for just sitting around and reading stuff. I'm always either driving or doing something, and just to, like, sit down and read, it's like, you know, who has time for that? And so with Newsly... You could basically turn any web article into kind of like a podcast, and it reads the article in a natural human voice from basically anything on the internet, anything on the web. And this way, you know, you don't have to sit there reading and scrolling. You can listen to it just like you would a podcast. And it's got podcasts too. Piecing It Together is on there. Uh, but then you could also find articles from all kinds of topics from, you know, entertainment and movies to sports and tech and business, science, all that kind of stuff. So really, if it's out there on the web, you can find it and you can listen to it. And uh, I've been using it as my default podcast app and you can too. And you can download Newsly right now for free from newsly.me. Check out the link in the show notes. It's available, like I said, on uh, Android and iOS in the uh, App Store and the Play Store. And there is a premium version available. And my listeners can get a one-month free premium subscription by using the promo code PIECINGIT. But all of the I's are ones. So that's P-1-E-C-1-N-G-1-T. Piecing it, but all of the I's are ones. 
and uh, I've got that in the show notes too. If you're uh, like me, out driving around listening to stuff, uh, you can't pull over right now. You can check it in the show notes and find that promo code and get that free one-month premium subscription to Newsly. All right, so I hope you enjoyed that conversation about ambulance with Joe Black. That one went all over the place, didn't it? But uh, it's always fun having Joe on the show, and I uh, hope you guys enjoyed it. If you like what we do here on Piecing It Together, you know, finding these puzzle pieces, these inspirations from these movies, make sure you rate and review us. You can do that, of course, on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, Good Pods, Podchaser. We'd really appreciate it if you hit that five-star button. And uh, maybe leave us a nice little review. Also, make sure you're subscribed while you're at it. And you can follow us at PiecingPod on Twitter and Instagram. And our Facebook group, Popcorn and Puzzle Pieces, where we continue the conversation about all the movies we talk about here on the show. And, of course, there is our Produced by David Rosen Patreon. I told you about it at the top of the show, but I'll just tell you right now, at the time of this recording, there's a lot of episodes on the Patreon in advance. Uh, by the time this goes up on the main feed, I'm not quite sure where we'll be at, but uh, probably recording more episodes that will go on the Patreon first and then make their way to the main feed. Also, stuff from Awesome Movie Year, also stuff from my music career. So check it out, patreon.com slash Rosen. So speaking of my music, let's close this out with a piece of my music. And, you know, to go along with all of those drones flying all over the place that Michael Bay uses to such great effect here in Ambulance, I'm going to go with a track called Free Fall from my album Head Like Fire. I think this would be a good fit. So I hope you enjoy Free Fall. The album Head Like Fire is available on all of the streaming services out there. We'll be back with more Piecing It Together real soon.
an All Points West production, produced by David Rosen in Las Vegas.